Wonderful people, this is Jason English with Things About Things, simplifying concepts without sacrificing depth. Today's concept is race, and I'm sitting in my friend and neighbor Re Reggie Hunt's backyard. You might hear some noises, but this is a long time coming. Thanks for having this conversation sure, with me. Sure. Yeah, Reggie is the pastor of Cornerstone Summit here in Boone. And also, remind me of the title at App State. Uh, Director of Player Development okay. and Leadership at App State. Yeah, so yeah. kind of two, two careers at once. Right, <laughs> right. And so this, this is, um, let's see here, today is May 14th, 2020, as we have this discussion. And, you know, there's just more stuff that keeps flooding into the news about race. And so this is something we've, we've talked about on the stage a couple times together. Right. We've had endless conversations in person on the phone together, but I really just kind of want to talk through and ask some questions. And hopefully this is going to be helpful for people if they're listening. But I, I'd love to start with just the word race. Right. And how it's a bit of a false word. Can we start with that? Can you sure. talk a little bit? I mean, you've, you've talked to me about this before we press record, but what, why is race not the right word? Uh, well, I think race is the right word in, in the context of the problems that we have mm -hmm. in our in our world not even just in the south not just in the united states but in our world and i think that race is a social construct you know that that separates you know classifies certain yeah. people based off of you know skin color and those kind of pieces and create superiority and systems you know and a lot of times and even just looking down social media when people talk about race sometimes they even they even confuse the terms between race and discrimination yeah you know um racism is 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 what the word is used when something happens um but a lot of times it's discrimination and and you know not to do a play on words but that that's it and when people are when i'm looking down the timeline of social media people are like well i'm not racist i'm not this i'm not that you know but what they said you know uh may be contrary yeah you know so um so i think that's one of the big challenges is uh most people a lot of people don't recognize you know the the structures the systems and i don't even know if i did yeah you know i, I don't even know if i i think there's a there's a life stage to where i thought man that kind of stuff is past it's it's over it's another season you know um and then as you go through a little bit more life experience a little more things you know hear from others who experience a little bit more things then you recognize okay man not all of this is not everything is stirred up by racial agitators right you know some of these things some of these experiences are are real to people not everything is stuff that the media has blown up there's some real issues and some real challenges with how we see people and things that have been indoctrinated into many you know areas of our life whether that's you know faith uh communities you know uh athletics um you know there's a lot of th things like that so i think that's that's one of the pieces to consider you say indoctrinated and I, it makes me think of a system or systematic right 
racism that can be traced well I mean you could technically go all the way back sure. to humanity and stuff sure. but I mean focusing on our culture and our country systematically speaking you have a foundation of slavery and do you think that and I have opinions too but I really just want to be like yeah. I'm asking and I want to hear what you have to yeah. say here do you think that there has been a systematic continuation of racism that goes beyond just the human heart that goes beyond just well people see someone different than them so they kind of are unsure is there a systematic process that has continued this problem yeah i mean i i would say that there is probably a systematic process that continues and a mindset right like there's yeah. there's still certain things that you know e even when you study from a historical standpoint you know the fact that that lincoln freed the slaves you know there were still uh unbalanced sharecropping you know practices and things that you know mass yeah. incarceration some of these things that still reflected you know and still kind of in in impacted the lives of, of many people and it's easy to say okay well that time is over yeah there's still things that are in place in just systems and uh, assumptions that we make you know things that we identify certain people with certain things um, that that are still kind of systematic um, and thought processes again the way that we perceive certain people um, and some of the things that we do just to kind of look the other way like the I, I don't some of the some of the some of the myths like say for example um, somebody may say uh, when a black person is is shot in the streets you know by a white person or something like that somebody may say okay well but if you're that concerned about that then what about black on black crime well you know white on white crime is actually just as high <laughs> you know but there's that stereotype that like yeah. black people are already destroying each other which also doesn't have anything to do with the fact of you know this other situation so there's all these kind of things that that I think we say and do and and contribute to for, to further increasing the gap as opposed yeah. to closing the gap um, and reconciling uh, the the differences you know that we have so I think yeah there, there there's systems there's structures there's mindsets in place and they're not always hyped up by the media I think there's real I mean you and I've talked about it man there's real things that happen not just in Brunswick or Minneapolis or you know uh, uh, St. Louis, you know, um, there's real things that happen um, every day that don't get the publicity. And there's real things that happen with common people, like even in, even, that don't get yeah, videoed, that don't get videoed you know. Um, and there's real uh, biased systems that happen even, even in Boone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, anytime, I feel like even even if you're talking about a different topic altogether, if you're trying to focus on one point and somebody goes, yeah, but there's also yeah, this sure. other thing, like when you say, well, like, I don't, why should you help these people when your, your neighbor right. needs help too? Right. It's like, well, you're, so we're talking about two different things. Right. 
there are there are certain like any time any human being murders another person that is wrong that is bad right. you need to get to the root of it and by dismissing one to focus on another it's sure. like you're refusing to try to deal with that rooted problem sure and even if there are uh, even if there are instances of like you said black on black crime or white on white right. crime that's not what we're talking about right now right. we're talking about when a white person kills a black person because they were black right. that's the topic right. that's what we're discussing and that is wrong and it's a problem well you, you use the phrase or the word progress and I've heard people talk about that before and I will admit when I was 22 yeah. I just started seminary and I've told you this story before a part of it but a, a professor of mine in, in seminary he stood up on a stage in chapel service and he he said that and I think he was in his 60s at the time he said one of his greatest regrets was that uh, he was a young pastor in the 60s and this right. is during the civil rights movement and he's white and he right. said he didn't do anything because he felt like it was in his place to say right. anything or do anything and it's one of his greatest regrets of his life right. and I remember being 22 years old so this would have been in 99 right and I remember thinking well I wonder what that topic will be for me because right. that's over right like I remember thinking it because right. it was like the 60s civil rights thing happened and some of the laws were right. changed I wonder what my version of that will be right. and now I'm 42 and I'm like it's this it's right. still this right right and so I am glad that slavery no longer is legal right. and I am glad that some of these laws I say some right. of the laws were changed and so you through one filter you could say that that's progress because it's an external thing and that is it's better to that it happened than it didn't right. than right. as if right. it didn't happen right but at the same time I'm sitting here going man and I, I faced this in the past few years. I faced this and I had the same mentality. Right. I was like, I'm not sure this is really my place to say anything. Right. And then now I find myself saying, I very much want to be a part of, of us figuring out how there can be healing in this world, but I have no clue what right. it is I am to say. Right. So sometimes I'm really kind of at a loss, but I will say that there's this weird thing in me that if I, something happens, right? Somebody gets killed and it is unjust and it right. is wrong and I know I want to speak out against it and there's this weird little thing in the back of my head that's like, well, if you post about this, if you say something about this, people are going to be like, oh, why you got to get into all right, this right. stuff? And that I don't even know where that comes right. from. I don't even know if those people are real. Right. It's like a hypothetical person. And I, I was like, you know, I don't want to live anymore being afraid of a hypothetical person. Right. And so, but I still find myself going, you know, other than trying to love my neighbor and I'm, I'm kind of at a loss, to be honest with you. Yeah. And so... So here we are with, you know, a, a video that was recently released of, of a young man jogging in a neighborhood. Even if there's some other little video clip and he looked at a construction site, sure. I can tell you dozens of times in my life where I have done that and worse. No one said anything to me. Right. No one tracked me down. I have I've looked through construction sites and I'll just be perfectly honest I know this is recording yeah, you know yeah. I've looked through just I wonder if anyone's gonna use this stuff and maybe I could have some yeah, of this if it's yeah. just sitting around yeah. um, and then snoop snooping around certainly done even worse than just that right but like 
to to be killed but the the fact that it it blew up so much and there's so much more unifying voices is because it's videoed but then a day or two later i think and i can't remember her name but um the the couple that the police broke into the house and yeah in louisville yeah, louisville yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, that wasn't videoed, so it's not as popular sure. to talk about or whatever. Sure. And so just to, I think we need to really be clear, this is not something that, yeah, man, slavery is really bad. And then there was some progress and then civil rights and we finally made it. We finally right. got through. Right. But if you look at some of the official laws, it seems as if the progress has been made. But then there's the application of the law. Right. And then there's the human heart. Right. And is that is that really what we need to be focusing on? Is the human I'm, I'm heart? I'm not sure. You know, I, I think there's a couple different ways to... I, I don't really know if there is a consistent area mm -hmm. that would exempt us from caring. Yeah. You know, like, like people would say um, very often... I just didn't know if I should say anything, and I don't know if I'm the one to post. I don't know if I'm yeah. the one to say. I just didn't say if I should get involved. Okay, if that's the case, be consistent. Like you, you really then you really shouldn't speak at all. Yeah, you know, because, don't speak out yeah, against any. Don't speak injustice. out against anything. Yeah, you know, um, as 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 in, in a time where your truth is your truth, and what you think is what matters, then as a believer. Uh, I've already got a conflict. Do I not say anything about my faith because I don't want to offend anybody? You know, mm -hmm. do I not say, I say something about my faith not to offend you. I say something about my faith because I care about your spiritual condition. Yeah. You know, I say something to my neighbor because I care uh, about them and they're in proximity to me. You know, I say something about uh, the missions field because I care for somebody that, that I might have the capacity, you know, to help. Um, every other arena of my life, I say something about sports because I like a team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I think race is one of those areas and and racism is one of those areas where I can't figure out why people feel unqualified in yeah. contrast to all the other areas that they feel qualified. That's a fascinating you know? question. Like, I mean, man, I when you know. look down the news feed, people say things that yeah. they're obviously not qualified to respond to. This thing of, of race was so disheartening is to see the silence of people because it reflects, it reflects uh, in many ways their ability to just respond as humans. Yeah. You know, Martin Luther King Day, everybody says, thank Dr. King. He wasn't the only person, you know, wasn't the only person that did the work. And a lot of people continued the work and a lot of people started the work before him. But the most quoted Martin Luther King quote has something to do with where are you in times of convenience and times of adversity. Mm -hmm. Everybody quotes it, but it's so hard if you don't embody it. And then I think the other part is just basic humanity. One of Martin Luther King's last messages, uh, he talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I think it's brilliant. He says, the question is not what will happen to me if I stop. It's what will happen to them if I don't. Right. Same application. It's not how will I be perceived. It's how will I be perceived by my brothers and sisters if I don't speak up. 
you know, I'm not I, I'm not a person that's always really spoke up about this. I think in the last several years, I recognize one, I'm called to a community and that community includes people who are not like me and people who are like me. Yeah. You know, and then two, I recognize that when God called me, he called me uh, knowing uh, the earth suit that he put me in. You know, yeah. if God didn't want me to speak as a black man, he shouldn't have called me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to say that God uh, doesn't want me to speak as a black man is an insult to his creativity. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he he created me um, and 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 intended for me to be who I am. But back to the point of speaking up, it's, it's not it's not that we're even it's not that we're I don't think that that people are really looking for a protest. I think that people are looking to have some sense of equitable response. And I also think that we can't keep we can't keep making this episodic. Like, you know, we can't what happened in in Brunswick is terrible. And then what happens a lot of times, a lot of people run 2.23 miles, you know, um, but they have ongoing conversations. And that's what I've told everybody about our relationship. Like it's not episodic. Like we talk consistently about real things that that happen, you know, um, and we have to see that as long as as long as we continue to dismiss these real things that are happening and these real inequities that are happening um again not just they're not episodic they they happen you know and i don't know any area i don't i don't know any area that really qualifies us to be exempt when one we've benefited from uh, from divine grace two we've benefited from from brotherhood <laughs> you know like right. like I mean you, you can't you can't enjoy black culture and not enjoy black people you can't ask black people to assimilate into your culture and not be concerned with the things that terrify theirs that's beautiful. You know, like you can't can't ask me to come over and people from uh, to come over and help you with praise and worship and help you diversify the staff and all these other kind of things and to help benefit your your team, your organization, your church, your community. You know, help your kids see some people of different colors, and then the things that are terrifying to those same people. You know, we wouldn't do that anywhere else. We ask supervisors to be concerned for their employers. You know, we ask parents to be concerned for their kids. We ask um, teachers to be concerned for their students. We ask uh, town officials to be concerned for their community. So where, if we're all one, if we're all in the same um, family, if we all bleed one blood, all these catchphrases that we have, where is the mutual concern? Well, it goes back to one of the earliest questions in the Bible, where is your brother? Yeah. Uh, you know, then the response, am I my brother's keeper? And then, of course, the answer really is yes, you yeah. are. So let's talk about, so when you started Cornerstone Summit, how many years ago? 15, 15 years 15? ago. Yeah. Multi-ethnic, yeah. intentionally. Yeah. 
what when I hear that phrase I think that is the opposite of this uh, weak term that I yeah. hear people use about being colorblind. Yeah. It is intentionally noticing and celebrating the differences of people, sure. and you're using the word ethnic as opposed to race. Why? Why use yeah, ethnic instead of race? A lot of people say the Bible doesn't talk about race. Okay, I'll give you that. The Bible doesn't talk about race because race is a social construct. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about ethnicity. Yeah. You know, if Jesus was just colorblind, New Testament, because you know the Old Testament references gets this qualify if Jesus was 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 um, didn't want have anything to do with ethnicity you know then why tell the parable of the Good Samaritan right after one he's rejected by Samaria and two after the young lawyer says well who is my neighbor that right. was the question Right. You know, and the that, Jewish yeah, culture says, was his response yeah, to yeah. That question. the Jewish culture says your neighbors, whoever lives by you, Jesus is stretching it and saying, no, your neighbor is anyone who's in need. The man who's fallen by the roadside, if the, you know, and then the same thing, the, the apocalyptic end that we put all of our faith in and revelation. John says, I saw them from every tribe, every tongue, you know, that that again is 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 identifying something when Paul writes to Ephesians and says he's divided the, the he's destroyed the dividing wall of hostility yeah uh, we know that dividing wall was also um, the dividing wall that separated the Jews and the Gentiles in the courts yeah you know they would understand that language and Paul writes to a very multi-ethnic church Barnabas and Paul uh, plant multi-ethnic churches like when we started that I just didn't think that it was a preference like we are intentional about what other people see as a preference and I think that if 90% of churches in America, 90% uh, of people in America go to homogeneous churches, 90% of white people go to white churches, 90% of black people go to black churches. So when Jesus talks about his church and building disciples and says, you'll be my witnesses and to all the ends of the earth, he doesn't separate the people that he sends to be witnesses. You hear what I'm saying? Like yeah. he, he doesn't say, "Hey, we gotta find. Hey, where's the, where's the guy uh, that helped carry the cross? We we heard that he was, uh, you know, he, he was in the movie Passion of the Christ. The, you know, the, the the guy who might be brown helps carry the cross. Let's find him because we need him to go to Judea." You know, and hey, we we said that 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 parable of the good Samaritan. We need to find a Samaritan to go to Samaria. No, he took people that were committed to him, and said, "I want you to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to some diverse places." And I think that's where we started. I I don't think that we by any means have ever thought that we're better than anybody else, or that we had an edge on it. I just never saw it as a theological option. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be intentional. I want people to walk into our church and say, God uses people like me here. I don't want there to be questions. I, I, if a black woman walks in, I want her to look somewhere around the leadership and say, God uses black women here. God uses black men here. God uses white men here. Yeah. God uses white women here. Right. Um, and, and even going back yeah. to, I don't think the civil rights movement was... Um, I don't think the civil rights movement was just about equality and access. Because now we can drink from the same water fountains, but if we can't own the same stuff, you know, if we don't have an equal justice system, all these other kind of things, then um, if we don't have equality and access to power, then is the civil rights struggle really over? Same thing in the church. And the church has had a history that has mirrored the country to where from the very beginning in slavery, we had a slave church and we had a white church. 
then we have one message we said to the blacks and one message we said to the whites. And so while slavery has been over, Jim Crow is illegal, the church still hasn't fully reconciled the separation. We still have uh, black churches, uh, black campus ministries. We, we have black campus ministries and white campus ministries under the same brand. Like it, it would be different if you're trying to reach a different demographic, but we have under the same brand because we still haven't reconciled that. And part of it, I feel like, is because of the excuses that we still make um, about how we can't relate or how we don't, you know, and, and, and that is is those things. If if your daughter, uh, if your daughter fell into a pond, uh I'd do everything I can to jump into the pond to save her. I'm not a good swimmer, but I wouldn't be worried about my app gear. I wouldn't be worried about my shoes. Yeah. I wouldn't be worried about my phone. I wouldn't be worried about how I look jumping in there with all my clothes to save your daughter. It's your daughter. Yeah. You know, I think what we forget is some of the people that we're talking about, even in the episodes, is somebody else's son. That's right. When did we lose basic human compassion for somebody else's son that we would blame whether or not he walked into a building or whether or not he possibly had a pass you know those kind of things i you and i both know man people that that are are major landowners major business owners and their sons and daughters uh have records they just have been expunged that's right <laughs> Yeah, you know, like like if, like that they they they've had alcohol problems, drug problems, you know, speeding tickets, DUIs, all that kind of stuff, and we would never bring that up as a reason not to qualify them for something. No. That shows that level of superiority. No, and then this other piece. So I I think that coming full circle with that, I think that what we did at Cornerstone Summit and what we still try to do is to be a multi-ethnic church and to lead a multi-ethnic church um, is is challenging because some things, again, immediately get dismissed as black. Okay. You know, like, like people might walk in and say, hey man, I've never been to a black church. Well, I mean, and all the black folks are like, no, this ain't, this ain't really, this is a start, but this is not really a black church. So those kind of things that we navigate through. Yeah, it's multi-ethnic and, and what it's, I was also thinking when you were sharing just now about the end of that parable, uh, the Good Samaritan, yeah. where he says, which one of these was his neighbor? Yeah. And so you have the Samaritan as the hero of the story. Right. If you look at, we won't bore everyone with too much history, but if you look at Samaria, yeah. there were several things about that culture that were not good. Right. He was choosing to celebrate right. the person right. and celebrate the fact that that is a literal neighbor and he was being a neighbor and challenging the for lack of a better word, racism. Right. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but right. racism that right. the Jews had for the the, uh, the people of Samaria, so much so that they were called like uh, half breeds sure. and sure. dogs and stuff like that. Sure. And he was celebrated as as the hero. And when I hear you talk about separate churches being separate and campus ministries being separate, it's almost like a little bit of a rebrand of separate but equal. Yeah. yeah. Not really related to laws yeah, or anything, yeah. but but you know we're not going to say you're bad people. Yeah. We're just going to say you're over there yeah. and we're over here. Yeah. And so in an intentional 
multi-ethnic approach is face to face one another wall uh, right. dividing wall taken out and I also can't help but think that um, how do I want to say this I'm trying to take some of your words and maybe make a suggestion to someone listening because I've, I've actually had several people within the last week say I just don't know what to do right and when I hear you talk about the the story of if Violet was in a right. in a pond or lake or something maybe are you kind of saying like jump in yeah yeah <laughs> just I mean, jump in yeah when the basic response when the basic response is compassion yeah. let's just start with compassion yeah like we we all know basic compassion yep you know basic compassion is just i think ministry ministry is response yeah right mm -hmm. but but humanity um should call for basic compassion I don't think that to, to destroy the myth. I don't. I don't think during these times I'm expecting any of my white friends to have answers. Um, no more than I would if if somebody in my family died of cancer. Right. You know. Again, the but you would hope someone yeah, would be there yeah. and grieve with you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The illustration again is is if somebody loses a, a a daughter to a drunk driver, I don't show up at the house and talk about forgiveness. I just show up at the house to support and let them let them grieve, let them lament, let them let I, be present. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't understand. Uh, I probably would. I'm not even asking them. I, I don't think they'd be asking me to protest at the moment. Yeah. You know, drunk drivers. Right. I think that they would just be trying to they'd be grateful that I'm present and I think that's kind of where the start is is uh, most most people that I've talked to aren't looking for somebody to try to give them answers but just to share the space to say I see you I care for you I love you right that's it but eventually there needs to be yes. answers and yes. solutions yes. and yes. we need to fix this. Yeah, and I think th those are the next steps. Uh, with awareness comes action. I think acknowledging that we have real issues, you know, and real things happen. And then next is uh, speaking up, ha having having some conversations about what laws are in our area uh, that are unbiased, uh, recognizing and, and using influence of where we have it. You know, um, I think that the stand your ground law uh, is, is, is not a good law, period. You know, if I had friends in that area, uh, there's issues in in that area with law enforcement, uh, not all law enforcement, but sure. with some of some of the law enforcement there. I'm understanding that the the chief of we, we say things like studying the facts. This is what happened with Ahmad Arbery. OK, where'd you get the facts from? Because also studying the facts, the chief of police has been indicted for some corruption. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So our action steps are not studying the facts to see if we want to get involved. Our action steps are what are the facts in our area so that this doesn't happen where we are and so it's not repeated. And how do we use our influence? Um, how do we use our influence uh, to deal with things that happen in our own area? And the only way that we can learn that is again, 
is by showing up for our friends, right? Let me give you an example. If, if you say, okay, I wanna do action steps, and I live in Boone, North Carolina, and I wanna do action steps, I would say, okay, talk to people in Boone, North Carolina, and ask them about their experiences so that you know what action steps to take. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I was pulled by, uh, I was coming back from, from ASU. Um, uh, football team had decided they're going to sleep on 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 the uh, football field. Everybody brought tents, neat things. It's going to be night on the rock. So I go up there, check it out. I'm not staying there, but I go up there, check it out. I'm coming back in my wife's car. I go through a routine uh, traffic stop. My wife's car. I just want to make that point. Um, because my wife's car has uh, crackers, animal cookies, Chick-fil-A sauces, all kinds of things in <laughs> okay. it, right? So I'm riding back there and I see the police stop. Uh, I pull up, I have my license ready. I give my license to the officer. The officer says, hold on just a second. He calls another officer. Officer says, hey, uh, where are you coming from? So I'm coming from App. What were you doing there? I work at App. What do you do there? I'm director of leadership development. Okay, okay, none of that, none of that, none of that is, is okay. A little bit, a little bit of much question, but we can't be worried about that just yet. And the guy says, hold on a second. He says, hold on a second. Second officer comes over there, he says, hey, I just, have you been by yourself all day? I said, yeah, I've been by myself. I said, this is my wife's car. He says to me, I uh, just wanna let you know I've been doing this for years. I said, okay. He said, I'm gonna ask you to pull over um, and we'd like to search your car. I said, okay, why do you wanna search my car? And he says, well, your car smells like marijuana. I said, okay, I, I don't have any marijuana. I haven't been around anybody that has marijuana, you know, um, and if you're gonna pull my car, I'd like this other officer over here, this officer of color, to be involved in it. You know, he says, hold on a second, looks at my license, says, oh, 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 Reggie Hunt, I know who you are. I said, well, wait, you're about to search my car. He says, no, no, I know who you are, you're good to go. I pull up to the second officer, I said, hey, he says my car smells like marijuana. He says, no, no, you're fine, go on. Okay, so one, what about the guys who don't know other police officers? Yeah, what about someone who hasn't built 20 years yeah. proving that they're a leader in the community yeah. Yeah. and is new what, to town yeah. or doesn't have as what much about of a leadership the other guys that type don't have of references? What about the guys that don't know their rights and just pull over? I mean, and, and so then I go home, I'm upset. I'm, I'm, I'm visibly upset. I'm shaking. I'm, I'm angry. I got a lot of emotions that comes from it. And I call uh, some law enforcement friends and, uh, I, and the word that they give back to me is that this, that there was up on King Street near what they refer to as Hippie Hill okay. and that somebody was smoking marijuana that was so strong that the wind was blowing and it was blowing it down on King Street and they stopped my car. Okay, that's that that takes too Not much faith likely. for me to believe. No. <laughs> I mean, like one, they never researched the house. 
you know, they never, and, and I know that there's certain things that happen when students are back in, hoping that a student would maybe say that, yeah, he, he had a little hit early or something like that. Th there's these type of things that, that or being pulled for a suspicious vehicle in a 2008 Honda Accord. <laughs> you know, right. no tent windows, no wheels. And even if it was no, even if it was tent windows and wheels, doesn't mean it's suspicious. Like those kind of things that that we see um, and other experiences that happen. And and I'm not saying by any means. I've got great law enforcement friends. Yeah. And the chief of police and the sheriff in Boone have been more than great to me. I'm not saying that this is the representation of law enforcement at all. And um, I'm saying that there needs to be at least some conversation and some accountability to different systems and different structures that happen in in Boone. Um, yeah, I don't hear that you're, yeah, I mean, yeah. we have some of the same yeah. officers that are great people and not anything against law enforcement, but, but I don't want to put words in your mouth, so let me ask, are you saying... What I'm kind of hearing is that there was suspicion of you from that individual, not the yeah. entire law yeah. enforcement system, because you are a black man. Is that? I, do you think that that's what it was? I here's why I think that's what it was, because there's a car in front of me. So if the wind was blowing, <laughs> you know, was blowing. If, if the wind was blowing and it was just blowing this incredible aroma or stench, however you choose to see it, of, of marijuana smell down there, the car before me was not was not stopped. The and car then, behind me was not stopped. And I can say just if we're just gonna someone might be like, well that's kinda anecdotal and yeah. other people that's never happened to me. Yeah. That story yeah. has never happened yeah. to me. And some other, I don't know how many personal stories yeah. you feel comfortable sharing, but some of the things that you've told me that have happened to you have never happened yeah. to me before. Yeah. And so it's not just, oh, well, is he making too much of this? If it was only one thing that ever happened to oh, you sure. in your whole life, sure. okay, whatever, sure. maybe. Sure. But time sure. and time again, yeah. things that people have yelled at you and your family and those things, never yeah. have been yelled at me. So I think that the action steps are becoming a where and when I talk to other student athletes and other people who share their experiences I could not not care right like I there after hearing some of the things that other people experience and 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 again basic compassion you know if I hear of a food need I cannot not care you know I can't can't refrain from caring if I hear of something that's going down at the school and kids at our elementary school need something I can't keep myself from caring when my drive is basic compassion not not politics not not I, I think that when people are sharing their experiences and the experiences that greatly impact them I think that we should believe them yeah I don't think we should I don't think we should dismiss the traumatic things or the traumas or any of those other kind of pieces so again as I said at the beginning I can't think of an area or demographic that should be excluded from caring about other humans. So part of the solution maybe is be actively pursuing relationships outside of just your ethnicity. Right. Moving towards people. There's this, I've taught on this several times The in the New Testament the word for reconciliation, like how we're called to a ministry of right. reconciliation. If you kind of break it down, it could be translated as moving toward the other. Yeah. Uh, 
but I, I can't help but think that some people were like, well, if I'm all, if I'm always around people that look just like me, how do I break out of that without tokenizing someone? Yeah, I think relationship though. I mean, the reason why I'm doing this interview is relationship. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I've always said that as long as we've been friends that the difference between tokenizing and just wanting to have a, a, a black person do something is relationship, <laughs> right. you know? And I think the sometimes people are like, well, there's just not a lot of black people in Boone. I'm thinking, okay, it's easier. Like, we're, And we're not even, I don't think that the question is for you to try to encompass relationship with every black or brown person you see. I think, again, that parable of the Good Samaritan is being a good neighbor to who's ever in your path. I don't think that the man fallen by the wayside, or even when we tell that parable, that we should use that to, to Samaritanize minorities, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think the, the, the mission I just get over, I get like just dumbfounded by broken and fallen humanity I get it you know yeah I mean free will of humanity I get it um, anybody that that ascribes to any sense of divinity theology whether it's Christianity or New Age, I just don't see how you can exclude yourself. And I don't say this with shame. I'm just not sure where and how you could, ex where or how we are excluded from the care package. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, mm -hmm. I think that as, as believers, it, it needs to move with conviction. Yeah. Um, and just as just as the Holy Spirit would help us with with anything else that we do um, I'm pretty sure that um, the Holy Spirit would want to help us with strategies on how to close the gap yeah you know whenever I hear people say the thing that Boone thing about there's not very many black people or they say well it's mostly white people yeah. statistically speaking obviously there's a lot yeah. to be said there but Within walking distance of my house, up until recently, they, they moved, but I had a Kenyan friend, right. Korean, Puerto Rican, yeah. Scottish, yeah. and then someone might say, well, I don't have that in my, well, maybe you just need to get out more, right? actually be in the real world. Right. And yeah, sure, it's not the same as a big city with a lot sure. more diversity, sure. but it's not, it's not a completely white town. It isn't. It just isn't. Yeah. It just, it takes, it takes actually looking around and not just having like five of your favorite people that are the only people that you even yeah. know exist in this yeah. town. And, and for me too, as I've been saying to a lot of people, it's not just for, for some reason, the contrast seems to be more with black and white people. Mm -hmm. But I also have people in my church who, when this pandemic first hit, had really real fear. Yeah. Um, being from Ash County, you know, yeah. we have a, a woman in our church who's from Ash County, adopted, and she uh, she uh, looks Asian, you know, um, and is, and so she had real fear that things were gonna 
you know, and, and great concern that people were going to treat her some type of way early on because this thing was associated with being, you know, uh, from China and this virus. And some of the things that are said to our Asian brothers, our Korean brothers, you know, um, and sisters, um, or even, I remember one time, I remember one time I, ha I had this, uh, a pastor in town, when I first started, we were talking about race and the need for racial reconciliation. And Corinthians that tells us we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, be reconciled. And he said to me, we've got a black family in our church and they are a real black family. They are from Africa. They are from the motherland. So they're real black people. And I just, I always remember that, but I thought to myself at the same time, why do you care for me in Africa and not care for me down the street? <laughs> right. Like, so oh, if man. I was in Africa, you would care for me more. Oh, like, my You know, gosh. why do you care for me as a missions project and not There's care for really me? There's a really complicated yeah. racism in that sentiment. Yeah. I can't even put into words what it is. If but. we care, if you care for people that are different from you as a missions project and yeah. don't care for them as your neighbor, that's problematic. Yes. So, so I can't figure that out. I can't figure that I, out. I would say there's a colonization vibe yeah. there. Yeah. When you care for the Africans because you feel like you're there to help them yeah. and they somehow need you. Right. But when they're down the street. Right. Maybe you can't admit that they have something to offer you. Right. Oh boy. So I think that's, that, that might I think have been the action. No, I think action steps. Um, <laughs> The action steps are relationship because one of the ways, you know, and even when people say, I don't know, I mean, there's so much. I would start with relationships because relationships bring awareness and an active listener's awareness. And then in addition to that, there's all kinds of stuff on the Internet about action steps and things and you know books like you know dear white christian and all these other mm -hmm. kind of things but there's also just so many foundational pieces that could help us um but before we move to action we got to acknowledge the challenge and have awareness so we've been watching some stuff as a family trying to educate our girls and you know human beings in my opinion at yeah. least in my experience with our daughters they're when they're real tiny they might notice that somebody looks different, but there isn't any judgment of right, that as sure, good or bad. It's sure. just a noticing. Sure. And I don't consider that to be bad. Sure. I actually consider it to be beautiful. Sure. So we've been watching some stuff. We we're watching some old um, interviews with Dr. King. And I already told you this, but yeah. Gray, our 10-year-old, she started crying. And I wasn't. I just thought they were going to be kind of like overwhelmed right. by a lot of talk and a lot of fancy words yeah. that they didn't know but she just starts crying and she's like i saw her chin moving and it's not like her she usually kind of keeps it right, hidden right. she's like i just don't understand why somebody would think that someone with a with brown skin is bad yeah uh i, I say all that to really circle around to a different thought kind of but it's connected in my mind and that is sometimes i feel like the work that is being done, regardless of the ethnicity of the person or the race of the person, we're kind of like preaching to the choir. Right. And the very people that are ex exerting these violent racist right. things, they're not listening to this yeah. conversation. They're not listening yeah, to this well, podcast. That's the next action step, I think. 
I think the next action step is 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 lateral. You know, okay. it's uh, it's um, it's horizontal, not vertical. Um, I think that's that's kind of the next action step. Like, you know, look, when we were kids, you and I are a couple years apart. When we were when we were kids, I remember some of my friends' parents used to say about how that we might see a change with race in our lifetime because that's just the way that our grandparents were. So if me and you were friends, your mom and dad would have said to me, hey, this is gonna change because Jason's grandparents are just a little old school. Dude, now we're 40. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like now we're 40 and we don't want our kids to have to say, that's just the way our parents were. So I think- Because the guys of, who yeah. killed yeah. Uh, um, Ahmad were father and son. Yeah. So there, it is being yeah. handed down. And in addition to that, like I, I think somewhere along the way, what I learned in a predominantly white neighborhood is that our, our grandparents were old school and that our parents didn't want to confront them. Now, we're older, our parents are now the grandparents. Like, at what point when we know that these things exist, whether they exist with our family members, our cousins, our neighbors, our coworkers, wherever we know these, these comments, these systems, these structures are, we have to be willing to at least say something about it. Maybe we don't have the capacity to do something, but we should at least say something and acknowledge that there's a problem. And when we even say that we pray, what are we praying for? Yeah. You know, um, because I, I think that like there, there's, 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 there's people in my church who work for people who've made some, some pretty, um, systematic decisions that are that are not equitable um, but they don't want to say anything now they'll say something to me and they tell me that they're sorry but I'm like I'm just sorry that you don't want to say anything mm. you know because by you not saying anything it, it perpetuates it keeps going well uh, I might lose my job yeah I mean that's and I don't want anybody to lose their job but I just wonder sometimes for twelve or fifteen dollars an hour, is it worth it? What you're, wh how I would describe what you're talking about is having white privilege yeah. and losing it, making a decision yeah. to speak up, and when you speak up, you run the risk of losing that privilege. Yeah. It's a minor cost, but yeah. it is still a cost. Sure. And so what I found with me, and I thought this through, I was like, in the role that I'm in as a pastor, and it's like, if I start talking about this stuff, or people are gonna be like, oh man, why you gotta get into all this yeah. political stuff? Then I was just like, I, I don't like talking about actual politics yeah. and from the pulpit or whatever, but I was, I kind of weighed the cost, and I was like, I'm not gonna be like that yeah. that man that said it was well, one of I his greatest regrets. I don't care yeah. if I lose some sort of privilege or a loot. That might not even be the right word. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, care if I am thought of less right. for some reason by some. Here's what I think about that. I think one, that's why we have to teach it as 
from a biblical foundation. Yeah. Like if you can show me somewhere in the Bible, legitimately, <laughs> where where Jesus wants us separate. Yeah. I mean, everything from Proverbs, the Lord, uh, uh, unequal weights and unjust scales, Proverbs 20, Proverbs 11, are an abomination to the Lord. Now, church, old school church people love that word abomination. Like, you know, so <laughs> it's an abomination. It's not just, it's just not the Lord looks the other way. It's an abomination to, yeah. before the Lord to have unjust scales and an unjust system. You know, I think the other part is we have to teach it as a biblical foundation in order for us to really separate the difference between between politics and Bible because we're calling a lot of things Bible that are politics yeah. and a lot of things that are politics we're calling Bible and in addition to that they're telling us as pastors that we shouldn't engage in, pol in politics from the pulpit that's all washed aside because we have a whole group of mm -hmm. people that endorse you know our president and a whole group of people from the pulpit that endorse other candidates yeah. in addition to that we have a whole group of people from our churches that are constantly talking about politics mm -hmm. you know that are on our leadership and so if if i can't talk about politics um from the pulpit then my leaders shouldn't be able to talk about politics from the pool, from from their feet there yeah yeah because they're there and, and then i think that that the other part about that is um is you know the biblical the biblical foundation that this is what god calls us to um, yeah, the guy calls us to he and, and not to say anything. Here's the thing. I, there's a, a young lady coming to our church. She told me the other day she's been at our church for maybe three months. She said this is the first time that she's ever had a pastor say anything about race from the pulpit not just about a situation but sure. didn't address it at all as wrong now when uh when it happened in minneapolis i thought it's okay we're not real sure some of my white brothers and sisters didn't mention it because they're not real sure okay uh trayvon martin okay that might be a little bit too much for them okay um um St. Louis, Ferguson, okay, uh, might still be a little bit too much for them. But when a white guy walks into a church in Charlotte yeah. and shoots up some people in Charleston. Bible study. You mean right? the Charleston? Yeah, the Charleston Yeah, shooting. yeah. Charleston. Shoots up a church in Charleston. And several, to me, everything that we say is an attack on the church. We say it's an attack on the church right now that we can't meet. It's an attack on the church right now that we can't assemble during COVID. It's an attack on the church. This attack on the church, attack on the church. That was a, a blatantly obvious. In a church building in among a church believers. Building, a white guy shoots up several black people unarmed praying. And then we had white pastors that would not even say it as a prayer request. Like that to me was like. That to me was like, okay, we can't, how, how much more will we dismiss one that it happens? And they even say, well, that wasn't racist. No, the guy and his manifesto and everything else has clearly said clearly. that it was. And there's yeah. two other churches right down the street. So if he was, if he was, the, the distance between where you meet and where I meet and where Perkinsville meet, there's mm -hmm. three other white churches. He went to the, the one that is historically African-American yeah. people. Yeah. And actually has the word African in the yeah. denominational and, name. And, and so, and he passed three churches on the way to do it. Yeah. So I just asked the question again, why, why were, some of our Christian brothers silent, silent to that. 
Yeah. Well, the the. When you said, like, we call some political things Bible and some Bible things political, to me, I don't want to get up, I don't want to leverage a platform that, a microphone that has been handed to me to talk about whether I think we should have small government, big government, how much we should be taxed. Absolutely. uh, Or or a a political person, political figure. But justice. Sure. I mean, what else are we doing? Sure. If it's not that. Sure. What else is reconciliation if it doesn't include justice? And even this Hebrew word for justice is similar to uh, translated as righteousness. Sure. The image in the the Hebrew, the image is... um, when there's the correct amount of rain that falls on the field, not too much that there'll be a flood, right. not too little there'll right. be a drought, the right amount of rain. So really, I don't want to be political. I want to do what is right. Right. And I don't know all of what is right about all politics right. and all laws yeah. and all taxes. Yeah. But when something is just about humanity right. and it, it is about what is right, yeah. sure. Should be then addressed. that belongs yeah. in that pulpit, so to yeah. speak, or, or in the microphone yeah. to, uh, to use a platform. It's just that sometimes I feel completely ill-equipped to do so, yeah. to speak about it, yeah. and to but, discuss it in the right manner. I think the great leaders in faith, when you study them, all of them felt that way about ministry in general. Yeah. You know, some of the great uh, church leaders are documented as riding the church, feeling like they didn't have anything to say or that they were ill-equipped to lead in their time. You know, sometimes I don't even feel old enough. Yeah. I'm reminded Dr. King didn't even live this long. Yeah. And he- so, yeah, I mean, so I think that that moving our emotions to think about our responsibility are, are two different things. Um, but I think that's what empowered us. That's what empowers the disciples to be witnesses. Yeah. I mean, you talk, you talk about intimidation. I mean, Jesus was just crucified. Yeah. And they were hiding yeah. away. I mean, there's somewhere along the way of seeing a, a, a resurrected Savior and being empowered by the Holy Spirit that makes them witnesses into death. And I think going back to what you said, the whole idea of losing our privilege, um, that's, the, that's, the, that's some of the basics of Christianity. Yeah, Anybody amen. that wants to save their life is going to lose it. That's Anybody so wants good. to lose it is going to save it. Like, where, Why do we understand that again in Christianity and lose just our, our just, our just, my grandma used to say, use your common sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's common that, that I, and when I, when I spoke about the Charleston shooting, I lost, I lost some families. You know, at church, you talking church. about. Yeah. And I think, okay, like, what space then can I be black? Okay. Right. What, what, if I can't be, at what space can I express who I am and what concerns me? Like, that's what the community of faith is supposed to be. So I think that that's the hard that's part. That's really is, good, man. Yeah, that's the hard part. Like, I mean, so so if you speak up 
uh, you might lose some people. But guess what? One, you and I both know this by now. One, we're going to lose some people anyway. <laughs> anyway. Like, it, it, they're going to be mad that we're talking. They're going to be mad that you mentioned that you're friends with somebody else. They're going to be mad that this podcast is too long. Music <laughs> was too yeah, fast. The music, music was, was too, too, fast, slow. too slow. <laughs> or their friends are going somewhere else. Or, you know, they started a Bible study somewhere else. Or there's a new church. Or they're just going to watch online. All right? So, I've learned, I've learned we can't protect ourselves. Uh, we can't protect ourselves from that. What, what we can do is figure out, I, I just want to know, and I've asked my leaders this, because a mentor asked me this, about the pandemic, but I think about the situation that we're in. Who are we going to become out of this? Who are we going to be out of this? Yeah. Like, like, and I also feel like God completes what he starts. And I think that somebody said the other day, we're never going to see the end to racism. And I thought I, I completely differ. Mm. I might not see the end of racism, but I think if the Bible's true, and I believe it is, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Um, and at the same time, same writer, same authority of scripture tells me, you know, to be reconciled. I don't know if it's in the return of Jesus or when, but I, I believe that we'll see the end of it. If I don't believe that we'll see the end of it, then why do the work? Right. But it's much like salvation. If I don't, everybody's not going to be saved. All right, but that's still not a reason for me to try. Well, in, in Jewish culture, the the word there's this word mikvot, which is like when you obey a right. command, and it's a really beautiful harmony of this idea: of, is God the one that's going to fix right. the world? Or, or a human's going to figure out how to yeah. fix the world. And to, to uh, an observant Jew, a mikvot, you obey God, and when you obey God, you're saying yes to yeah. his question, will you partner with yeah. me to restore the world? Right. So we are waiting for God to restore the world. In the meantime, when we are obeying sure. him, we are partnering yeah. with him to restore the world. And maybe we won't see in our lifetime, but we're not to wait for the magical, invisible God to just magically sure. fix it. Sure. He's inviting us in sure. to fix it. I, what I, what I know, I'm just, I mean, I just got tears in my eyes because when you said the thing about being a disciple and taking up your cross, I just thought that maybe for the white listeners that are hesitant yeah. about jumping in the lake to save yeah. the daughter, yeah. let's lose our privilege. Yeah. Like if, if there's anything that you think that you get, you get because you're white, yeah. screw that. Yeah. We, <laughs> let's yeah. do this. Think, let's fix this. I think this. we get it, man. I think we get it. I think we, every other arena, we've got these principles. COVID starts and we've got these principles of we're not going to succumb to fear. Okay. Take that same thing and apply it to this. Yeah. But I think more important, the thing I would say to all listeners is, especially to believers, we're not just called to follow principles. We're called to follow a person who's Jesus and to be conformed to his image. Yeah. And I can't see in any context a lack of compassion that Jesus would have. I can't see in any context where where Jesus, I see in every context where Jesus is a healer, a reconciler, a bridge builder. He's intentional about relationships. And I think the same thing with us. And I, mm -hmm. I think that that he had some privilege yeah. being a Jew. He was brown. Let's just clarify exactly. that. Exactly. But he had privilege as being a Jew and he yeah. went 
to the Gentiles. The yeah. movement was towards the Gentiles for the Samaritans. That's, and that's all Philippians too, right? Like yeah. considering others, prefer others beyond yourself. He, you know, not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself. Mm -hmm. All those pieces that we already know. I, I think there's a, we, we are, um, one invitation away, one conversation away from real change. Um, and the more conversations that we have and the more active listening that we have, we can start. But to continue to dismiss it yeah. as something that doesn't happen and continue to, anytime that we would shame people who are experiencing trauma, right, um, or any way that we would have to explain Hey, I'm not trying to be the, I just spoke up more recently because I know that there, especially here, are a lot of uh, black and brown people that are nervous to have these conversations because they don't want their white friends to be uncomfortable. Okay. And when they do speak up, they are dismissed as being racist or something while they're trying to explain these social constructs and um, or these challenges these experiences and I just I, that that's just my plea is just to listen listen yeah not asking you to solve it not asking you to fix it just be present and listen check on other people you know learn from other experiences none of us benefits from making up stuff Right, you know, right. like I mean, you know, not, you know, some, if somebody calls me and my family that the N word while we're picking up groceries, I don't benefit from making stuff up. I'm trying to bring some awareness, yeah. you know, to it, and and starting with the basic compassion, and again, not only just for for my family, but for other families. I know uh, several couples uh, in town that and that I know who have uh, white families that have adap adopted. Uh, uh, black and brown Asian kids. Yeah. When those kids grow up, if they face some of the things that we see, they're not going to care that their parents were both white. Mm. You know, so this is not just issue for your black and brown friends. This is the issue for all your friends that have any diversity in their families. You yeah. know, they're not going to care. You know, they're not going to care that r people who are who are racist and mean harm towards people of color are not going to care who adopted them. Right. So right. I think that we have to think of it for a bigger piece. And I know we can go on and on. Well, let I me just, ask you another question yeah. real quick before we wrap up. So you talked about when you, when you spoke up at on a Sunday right after the Charleston shooting and you said the sentiment was like, can't, what was it like? Can't I just be black or what was the phrase you said? Yeah, can what, I, what places can, what places it? I you mean, know, you're obviously always yeah, who what you places are. Is, but, am I, am I okay to be black? You so know? let me ask you something. So 40 something years old, grew up in the South, 15 years pastor of this church. I know you were pastor yeah. of another church in sure. town um, when you were what, early post-college. Yeah. Yeah. Are you tired? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said the, the, the video that we talked about, you know, I think that I think I don't think I'm just tired. There's look, there's a difference between tired and weary. I think more people that I have talked to, including myself, we're weary. Okay. We're not tired. We're weary. I think we're weary because we spent so much time trying to assimilate 
Yeah. One time I, I came home after a situation and I was sobbing to my wife. I mean, sobbing, crying uncontrollably, can't catch your breath. And I said to her, I spent most of my time thinking that I was the exception and I'm not. Oh. And I'm tired. All right. I'm sorry. You know, I think that that's the part that we're more weary from not being believed or being dismissed, you know, um, as um, being dismissed as the angry black man after and, and just assimilating, just trying. Sorry, uh, try, uh, no just trying to find, <laughs> trying to trying to uh, trying to assimilate, trying to fit in, trying to find um, ways to not just be accepted, but to fit in and to stay calm, you know, so that you can make some progress. And I think that that's a lot of black people have told me. I go to a black church because it's the only place that I, that I'm safe to just be black. You know, if I go to I remember a few years ago, the, the, the mayor of Dallas went to T.D. Jake's church after the shootings and he encouraged the, the people of Bishop Jake's church to go out and get out to other churches more. And Bishop Jake said to him what I thought was brilliant. He said, Mayor, I appreciate that. And we do. He said, black people are known for going to other places. Uh, but it means a lot. He said, Mayor, it means a lot that you came here mm -hmm. because it also is important for white people to assimilate into black culture. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I go to the beach, I'm on guard. I go to the beach 30 minutes away from where that shooting happened. You know, and when I go to the beach, I'm on guard looking around, wondering how I'm perceived, you know, making sure that the clothes that I wear to the beach, you know, are are fitting more with the culture there. You know, I don't want to roll up in two dark shades. I don't want to roll up in, in, in a tank top. You know, I'm most of the time making sure that I wear some app gear because I make it feel like that if they associate me with athletics, I'm less threatening. You know, and uh, even some of the people that I've developed friendships with uh, that I meet at the beach every year, you know, I'm watching some of their social media and knowing if I don't think if we would talk football, if we would have been friends. Yeah. You know, like those are kind of things that that I think about that you might not ever think about. Well, you know? I, I don't, yeah. but I have learned about that yeah. by following people yeah. of color on social media yeah. and listening to that. And I hate it. Yeah. But and that I'm, cornerstone summit, I don't think we're there yet. Like, I don't, I don't think that there's, there's still things that I don't feel like I can do as a black person at my own church. Interesting. <laughs> you know, Interesting. that, yeah. uh, that when I go preach for some of my other friends, they say, man, you preach your heart out there. And I, there's still things that I feel like in Boone 16 years, almost mm -hmm. later that I still don't feel like I can fully do at cornerstone. When summit. I had in my notes for us to do podcasts for like a year now, yeah. and I kept, I mean, there's all sorts of things that I've learned from you over the years that are not in the category of multi-ethnicity and race that yeah. I kind of I really wish that that's what our podcast would yeah. have been about the first yeah. time and then I was just like you know we're neighbors we're friends I think we need to do this yeah, sure. but that but I don't want it to be the last podcast we ever do sure and I would love for some of the 
I would love for the world out, you know, or whoever listens yeah. to this, the one, not the world, but the people listening to this to realize that it's not just, oh yeah, that black guy yeah. that likes to talk about racial stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. much more wisdom yeah, that you've imparted. Yeah, absolutely, imparted. man. And I, I, I would like to do the same. And I feel yeah. like that's why I'm hesitant to kind of do some of it. I need was yeah. hesitant to really speak up a little bit because I don't want, when you're one of two black pastors in the three black pastors in the county, county right? not the town, but the county, yeah. then it's easy to be dismissed as that guy who's always talking about black stuff. Um, right. But I think that there's, there is, I don't want to say there's more to my life um, because I don't want to minimalize what, what this means to me. Right. But I do think that, but there's also more to our church. Yeah. You know, I think people walk in sometimes and they see three black people on stage and they're like, oh, Cornerstone Summit's the black church when we probably have more white people. And you're like, did you notice church. the five white people <laughs> yeah, on stage? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like some, like we're doing online services, right? And in one shot, we've got, we've got on one shot, we've been rotating people, you know, staying under 10 people, whatever. And one uh -huh. shot of the frame, it's myself and two other black guys. Uh -huh. And just in some of the feedback, it's like, well, did we really have diversity in that shot? Well, it's like, you know, if we put up, you know, it's like, but we got two other white people on stage and for the first 45 minutes it was more uh, integrated and assimilated but you know it's just kind of that, that but piece. to go back to the i've never had anybody give me that feedback yeah. like hey there was only white people on the stage yeah yeah uh, well thanks speaking man. of yeah thank you speaking of more content if anyone wants you can go listen to i'm imagining hundreds of audio by now or and some video sure you can go to cornerstonesummit.org, which is the website of Cornerstone Summit Church that Reggie planted almost 16 years ago. So you can listen to some teachings and watch some teachings that are about some of this content and then hundreds more about other uh, biblical concepts and themes. Uh, but thanks for your time. And yeah, I hope thanks, we continue this, um, this conversation more as well as uh, maybe record some other content as well. Yeah, we'll have to do it. Uh, but thanks for listening. And you can also go to thingsaboutthings.com for more more things.